Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. That's right, day number two, live from Las Vegas here at Radio Row on the Happy Hour, NBC, Peacock set, whatever you want to call it. I'm Connor yeah. Rogers alongside Matthew Berry, looking as spry as you'll ever see in Las I Vegas. I appreciate Jake that. Croucher on your A game as well. How are we feeling, fellas? Oh, representing the Magpies. Yes. Pie up, as uh, producer <laughs> Stephen D'Agostino keeps on muttering in my ear. It's very uh, troubling. Is, but uh, no, happy to be representing the uh, 2023 AFL champions. Yeah, the uh, pie up. Is that, is that <laughs> very so casual. bad? Is, no one it, actually says that about no, Colin Woodward. Right. Yeah. Now that every time yeah. the, the Colin Woodward magpies yeah. come up, and by the way, they come up a lot more candidly than they should yes. right. on an American football show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tighten yeah. up and pie up. Pie up is, yeah. by the way, easier to pie up these days than it is to tighten up. Yes. Because yes. honestly, it's been a, it's been a rough go of it in Nashville yep. recently. It is. It has been. Not been great. How are you feeling, Matthew? Good night last you night. You know what? I, you know what? Uh, I had a good night. I did and I didn't. So I, as I told, I told uh, our producer Danielle and I told Connor, um, you and I don't talk before the show. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, not true. Not the uh, not spoil the magic. But um, uh, I. I got no sleep last night, and you're like, oh, you're in Vegas. What happened? I, you know, well, you know, you closed the club down. No, I was staring at my effing ceiling. Like, I just had one of those where I just kind of like, I was too wired up, you know what I mean? And like, because they pump all the air in here, and then you're yeah. like, you go to bed. Yeah. I, don't, I don't take like anything to help me sleep. So yeah. it's just literally like tossing yeah. and turning, and then like you're overtired, and you just keep thinking about the fact that you have to get sleep yeah. because you have to wake up so early here. And anyway, it was a disaster. Pacific time zone is not what man was designed to no. do. It's ridiculous. No. Am I waking up no. and my kids are already like you've been in school for an hour on the East Coast? Like this is insane. Yeah, you can't have I, this. Like how did, how we? I gotta figure Florio and Sims, man. Like I gotta figure out their secret because like they get the afternoon slot. Right, like man. why can't I? And where to be found? Gotta figure that I'll out. Them. Those guys are smart. They're veterans, is what they are. Yeah. Yes, yeah. they're wily NBC veterans, and yeah. I'm just. I'm just a noob. I'm a moron. Yep. I'm a maroon. Yep. It's basically like that. I'm like, sure, we'll yep. do the 9 a.m. show live in Vegas. Yep. Well, Connor and I got great sleep. Se- separately, we got great yes, sleep. Yes. Um, I was about so to get very we're, jealous. We're raring to go. Yeah, no, uh, we didn't uh, replicate Buffalo in uh, the state of Nevada. But, uh, but no, we had a great Mexican dinner. That's right. Uh, which you weren't invited to. Uh, yeah. We had <laughs> great. Three, we well, had... none of the text thread. <laughs> yeah. There are, a lot of, I've, there are a lot of dinners, I think, that I wasn't invited to last night. We had uh, three hibiscus margaritas, which I think is the perfect kind of inflection point. Um, okay, so that's great. Yeah, once you start pushing that, then it gets a bit bit of trouble. But no, raring to go, raring to go. Well, we have a lot to Fantastic. get through, of course. We have some interviews from yesterday. We will have Aiden O'Connell and Jacoby Myers you guys got to talk to. Yep. Uh, Rich Gannon is stopping by, which is perfect with yep. this being a Super Bowl in Vegas. Well, uh, and, and, and by all the, the quarterback uh, conversation well, we here's to the have. Other, exactly, because first off, so... Gannon called the AFC for a number of years, you know, um, with CBS. Obviously, he played at Kansas City. like So he knows Mahomes. Yep. But the thing is, I think his situation, Gannon, former fourth-round pick who wasn't drafted to be a quarterback, you know, yes. and then sort of, you know, had to prove himself and ultimately became an NFL MVP and led his team to a Super Bowl, Super Bowl 37 against the Bucs. Um, he's kind of more Brock Purdy. You know what I mean? So it'd be 100%. He's got, again, he's a former NFL MVP and Super Bowl-playing quarterback, but he's also a guy that was like never supposed to be anywhere what he became. So 
It'll be interesting to see uh, his reactions to both those quarterbacks. Looking forward to that conversation. Without a doubt. And, of course, Rotopat is joining us for a little oh. proper shot How'd we get Rotopat? With Denny, all person. the big stars. Denny Whoa. and Rotopat back-to-back days. Good God. Our booking team is on fire, <laughs> on fire. right now. And somebody <laughs> Somebody yeah. cool them off. Poor Lawrence be... Jackson is just walking back right. and forth. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's going to be tough interviewing Saquon Barkley later this week. Coming off the sugar high of Nobody wants to follow Rotopat on the stage. All right, let's jump into the Roto World headlines. Yes. Maybe one of the most interesting Roto World headlines that I'll ever have to read on Fantasy Football Happy Hour. The 49ers are reportedly unhappy about the firmness of the practice field at UNLV. No, this is not a headline from The Onion or any kind of bit here. And if you don't believe me, listen in on Roger Goodell yeah. and Kyle Shanahan discussing the 49ers practice surface. I was trying to tweet out our show link, but they'll find us. get there. All right, here we go. We had 23 experts out there. We had the union out there. All of them think that's a very playable surface. It's softer than what they have practiced on, uh, but that happens. Um, it's well within all of our testing standards. Uh, it is something that we think all our experts, as well as neutral field inspectors, have all said unanimously that it's a playable field. It is what it is. We'll be all right. It's the field we got. We'll be all right. We're good. No, we're not. We're not going to completely change our schedule and do something crazy. Like, we'll deal with what we got, and it, we're we're good. Bit of an odd situation, to say the least. Very odd situation. It makes me feel even better about Chiefs plus two. I was going to say, are the excuses mounting? I, no, I, like, Jay Crowder, you still sticking by your Niners, even though they're playing on a soft field. They're rattled. And they're, and they're rattled. Their their ankles are going to be all squishy. And like, well, listen, to be fair, there are reports that the field is getting better every single day. <laughs> so it is trending in the right direction. So by the time that Sunday comes around, we're going like to be ready show. to win the Super Bowl. That's uh, right. All right. Yeah. All right. Another uh, bit of news here regarding the Chiefs, uh, Ian Rapport from NFL Network, of course, reports Joe Tooney is dealing with a significant pectoral injury. This isn't really news necessarily, Jay. We knew Tooney has this, but it's a matter of if it's a significant pectoral injury, it's hard to imagine him suiting up for the Super Bowl. I mean, it has to be a torn pec. Right. What right? <laughs> other significant <laughs> yes. pec injury is there? Torn pec usually has you out like six months. Yeah. Is he going to play like three weeks after he tore it? I would suspect that he is not going to go. I think that's a sneaky little element of this Super Bowl that I don't think has been covered perhaps as much as it should that like Joe Tooney is an excellent offensive lineman Correct. an offensive line that is pretty weak outside of the interior so they've got two somewhat suspect tackles they might have a backup guard to replace Tooney uh, I suspect they will and then Charles Amenahu is probably their best uh, pure pass rusher from the edge if Chris Jones isn't lining up there so they're down an elite offensive lineman they're down their best pass rusher off the edge uh, and they already were at a bit of a talent deficit I think in this matchup so uh, well, yeah, nine is minus two. You guys can go to hell. He's talking himself into it. You can hear it. He is talking himself yeah. into it. Now, Tooney did not play against the Ravens, who have as good a defense as um, as the Niners, I would argue, as well. And so they've, they've figured out some protections as well. They've mastered the art of just um, their offensive line just taking a couple of steps back before the snap and not having that <laughs> called. Like, that's one of their best plays. So th- it's good. Like, y- you have to get a running start to get to Mahomes <laughs> because, you know, it's just like they just start backing up 
and then the, the ball gets hiked. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Works I don't know how you, they, it works every time. I don't know how you guys are going to feel about Chiefs plus two when uh, Jawan Taylor is just put in the blender <laughs> by Nick Bosa over and over again. Did we throw over under two and a half false starts for Jawan Taylor? <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably a safe bet. A safe bet right there. Listen, Mahomes is going to have to run. He's, he's going to be. <laughs> yeah, he's, not he's something gonna, he's afraid he's gonna, to do. He's going to run. Pacheco's going to run. Yeah, they'll figure it out. Okay. Whatever. In some, yeah. just, in some news away yeah. from the Super Bowl, the Eagles officially announced the hiring of Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator. Nick Sirianni okay. was thrilled to hire Moore. This is Moore's third team in the past three seasons now, Matthew, and Nick Sirianni uh, on this hire. During Kellen's tenure as an NFL coach, he has helped to develop some of the best quarterbacks in the league and directed some of its best offenses. We are thrilled to have Kellen join our team. This one's an interesting one uh, for a few reasons. I am, I am a Kellen Moore fan, and uh, like the offense... Dak Prescott had his best, I mean, had really productive years, both fantasy and NFL-wise, under Kellen Moore. So I'm like, I'm a Kellen Moore fan, and I loved, I was all in on the Chargers offense this preseason, because I'm like, Kellen Moore, you know, he's going to like, he's going to utilize him, and they're going to send Quentin Johnson down. They didn't have a deep threat last year. They finally got one. They got Jalen Guyton back healthy. You know, Eckler's going to be, you know, like a Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott mix, and I was wrong. Well, everybody got hurt. You know, every, listen. Their offensive line got hurt, obviously. Mike Williams goes down. Eckler was dealing with injuries early in the season. Like, it just went south. But two things happened. The Chargers offense regressed. You know what I mean? And you can argue his injuries or whatever. But Justin Herbert had a bad year. Yeah, like, he, he definitely regressed from the year before. And, oh, by the way, I think the – like, you know me. I'm no Mike McCarthy fan. But the Cowboys offense was better without Kel- – like, I thought, oh, boy, the Cowboys – and I was wrong. I was dead wrong on both those things. And so it's just like – Maybe with Kellen Moore? I don't know. I, I, I genuinely don't know whether that the situation in whether the situation in Dallas and, and uh, with the Chargers was because of friction with a head coach or you know not the players not buying in or what have you. I, you know I don't know what went slightly south there because he strikes me as a very bright guy and people that I know that I respect, you know, sing Kellen Moore's praises. Yeah, to your point, I think it's a red flag that Dak Prescott had by far the best season of his entire career the moment that Kellen Moore left. Uh, Dak was with a month to go, was the MVP favorite, which yeah. no one really contemplated before the season because, I mean, at the, early in the season he was 50-1, to 60-1 to 1 to win MVP and then became the favorite. And then the Chargers, I, Justin Herbert, I'm not sure, like, people seem to forget that he's like the fifth or the sixth best quarterback in football. Like, Justin Herbert is insanely good. He's expected yeah. to be. Yeah, well, that, he's got that talent level, at least, but it seems like it hasn't been unlocked. Kellen Moore didn't seem to unlock it. I know they had injuries, but still you would have expected more from that offense. Uh, and now, yeah, now he gets to crack it, I guess, fixing Jalen Hurts and whatever happens to the Eagles offense this and, season. And you could argue from a talent... You know me, Jalen Hurts is my guy, he's my ride or die, and that's fantasy-wise, but I'm curious, Connor, where you feel, because I know there are some NFL talent evaluators that would tell you between Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts, Hurts is the worst quarterback that Kellen Moore will get to coach. Yeah, I mean, you could easily make that argument, I think, right now with the season we just saw. I think what we have to keep in mind with this hire, it is Nick Sirianni's offense. Nick Sirianni will continue to construct the offense. Now you have a guy like Kellen Moore that's been in this situation under Mike McCarthy where the organization is what's more important. The Eagles were not an organized team. Whether it was the scripts last year, whether it was adjusting out of the half, the offense never looked in sync. Moore struggled with the Chargers where he had full authority over the offense because he worked under a defensive head coach. Maybe this is a better fit for him, and maybe this is something that will improve the Eagles' offense while it's still Sirianni's actual car to drive. 
Yeah, listen, they obviously have pieces. I mean, you know, so between, you know, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and, and uh, Dallas Goddard, obviously, and the running backs and Hurts, I mean, there's, there's a lot of talent, and it's a nice offensive line, right? So, I mean, like, he's got, you know, uh, but sort of feels like this is last chance saloon. Like, if the... Yeah. But, I mean, for him and Sirianni, to your point, it is Sirianni's offense, and Sirianni said that when talking about Brian Johnson. He sort of got painted in a corner. We played that clip, you remember? Right. You know, well, It went bad. It was him. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, this kind of, it feels like a job that you take when you know it's last chance saloon because I understand the Eagles have, they still have a ton of talent, still have a great offensive line even uh, without Jason Kelsey. They have weapons. Hertz is still a very good quarterback, but... It doesn't seem like a very attractive job, just with the kind of allocation of credit. Some of the stories about Sirianni, where Brian Johnson would call a play and Sirianni like, no, <laughs> different one. Right. And so it's like, well, what do you actually, what, what is your role Doing. here? Right. Yeah, and it does, needs to be trust. And it does feel like it's a kind of a one-year deal. Like, I mean, sure. again, if, if the Eagles don't win the NFC East, if they don't make a far run in the playoffs, you could see them cleaning house. And so now you've, you know... You were with Brandon Staley, you lost that job, and now you're with Sirianni and you lose that. You know, So it's a lot at stake for the Philadelphia Eagles offense this upcoming fantasy season. One last thing on your question about Hurts. I will say this, because I agree. He's probably the least inspiring of all the quarterbacks he's worked with the last couple of years. But I think his highs are better than any high we've seen from both Herbert and Dak. When I think of the Super Bowl last year... Yep. I don't think we've seen a performance in a big game like that from any of those guys. So I think that's very fair. Hopefully Hurts is healthy this year and gets back to being that dude. Yeah, it just felt like the like the, he was just broken by the end right. of the season. Like the wiring was off the uh, was it the safety that he took against Tampa Bay? That was Playing just like slow. completely bizarre. You contrast that to the guy who even this season, the guy who marched down the field repeatedly against Buffalo, against Kansas City, who was just winning these clutch games for fun. Uh, he was he, pr- he was a very good chance to win MVP of the league last season before he got hurt. Uh, he was magnificent in the playoffs. Did hand the Chiefs a uh, touchdown on a platter, but outside of that, was perfect in the Super Bowl. Yes, so he was. certainly he's a franchise quarterback. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, la- yeah, and, and, and I was just and I was just going to say, like, you wonder how much of that. Like, he kept saying he was healthy, but it didn't yeah. feel like Jalen Hurts wasn't ever 100 percent healthy this year. Just he feel like he was laboring through stuff. And again, like, you know, losing Shane Steichen. He's, he's still a young quarterback, and so maybe there was just, you know, just a disconnect between him and Brian Johnson, as you say. Like, you know, again, if, if Jalen Hurts is in the huddle and like, okay, we're doing this, and then Sirius Lightning, like, no, we're doing this, and then, you know, Jalen Hurts is like, all right, what's my read again now? Right. Like, you know, it's, it's confusing. So, anyway, really interesting, but, you know, I love Jalen Hurts. He's my guy, but, you know, we're talking, I talk fantasy-wise, and now we're, we're talking just NFL. Our last bit of news here, we got to hear from Brad Holmes, the Lions GM, who said they're no fluke and they aim now to sustain winning. Let's take a listen to Holmes calling out some reporters for saying he made bad draft picks. When you look back at those picks, and those picks were not welcomed by many in this room. You know, Dave, you want us to pick quarterback. You didn't want us to pick Panay Sewell. You know, people didn't want us to wait to the fourth round to draft a wide receiver. We didn't have, we had one extra pick in 2021. We had a comp third. That was Ify Melifonia. Carlos, I know you said that that was a miss, but that was the only extra, <laughs> that was the only extra picks. I give, I give probably two people credit in this room that said, you know what, I was wrong. I was wrong. And I, and I appreciate that. And I respected that. But just the other about, you know, you knew they were wrong. And then they, oh, man, these rookies are playing so well. Or you hear the, man, many people thought, many people gave him backlash. Or, 
oh man, there were some people that, no, it wasn't many. It was, it was you. You like, I'm reading it like, no, you gave him backlash. Jay, better victory lapper, Brad Holmes <laughs> or Matthew Berry? I think this is a tight one. It was it was special. It was a great performance. I think he was, he's entitled to do that. He's yes. uh, I would guess that he's going to be named executive of the year, um, given that what he achieved. Will be, it'll be close yeah. between him no, and Yeah, that, that's fair. Uh, but I think those will be your top yeah. two. And look, some of these picks, like Sam Laporta at 34, home run. Brian Branch at 45, home run. Home run. I get, like, Jack Campbell, 18, we'll see. Like, he wasn't amazing this season. He's a rookie. And then Jameer Gibbs at 12, which I think everyone thinks is a home run. Like, let's see. Let's see. Like, they still, they still took a running, running back. back they took 12. a running back at 12. And they have David Montgomery who had a really good season. And then they have an amazing offensive line. I think that this is the exact type of team that has the infrastructure where you don't necessarily need to spend pick 12 on a running back. But, look, Gibbs is awesome. Uh, and he was fantastic. And he made meaningful he had meaningful moments in the playoffs so we'll see with that but uh yeah i don't know it's just always risky when you do that because if it doesn't come around next year then uh you're not going to look so good i like that he uh, he kept receipts it is interesting right especially when you get to see like kind of the the year that deandre swift had in philadelphia like they had swift like swift in theory could have been gibbs behind that offensive line if they just used him they just philadelphia used swift in a way that detroit didn't and you know it's Sort of interesting, obviously, health had a part to do with Swift's uh, time in Detroit as well. I think if I was to give one criticism of his victory lap is that I've always found it's best to actually get up from the podium and do a lap. real lap. Like, he, <laughs> I, like I feel like my victory laps are a little bit better because at least I hustle. Like, I get up and I actually do. Or you make me or Connor do it for you. Right, yeah. right, yes. You're remote. Yeah, exactly, when I'm remote or, right. So, Brand Holmes could have gotten an intern or somebody to do it. I'm just saying, you know, yeah. I still think they should have taken Christian Gonzalez at 12. The over right. They really could have used the corner this season. They could use one going forward. So, uh, yeah, there's probably some other guys as well. But, uh, but Gibbs was great. But, and, by the, I mean, he did, he's done a great job. The entire organization from, you know, has done a great job of taking a team that like, was winless you know, to basically was eight minutes away from going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I do think that should have gone to the Super Bowl. It's such a part of their identity, and that's why I really don't like the discourse against Dan Campbell and his decisions in the NFC title game. Like, those were coin flip decisions to go for it or to kick, and it's been the identity of their team. Alex Anzalone talked about this. Like, the reason we went from 0-10-1 a couple of years ago to being, uh, like, minus 850 to make the Super Bowl in the second half of the NFC title game is because we were aggressive and because this is our mindset as an organization. So he's entitled to do that, and uh, Holmes is entitled to take his victory lap. One another sweat during Super Bowl week. Jay and Drew Dinzik have you covered with a special edition of Bet the Edge on Thursday night. Join the guys on our NFL on NBC YouTube channel at 9 p.m. Eastern for an NFL Awards watch-along and find out how they feel about the winners for Coach of the Year, Comeback Player, and much more. We're taking a break here. When we're back, we dive into Super Bowl props with Rotopat coming up next. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and for Super Bowl 58, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the app and use the promo code BERRY when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. Rotopat truly looked terrified during that. <laughs> Sorry about that. Pat. Yeah, it's okay. Welcome to Proper Shot, Rotopat. Uh, he's going to help us out with a Super Bowl edition. All right. Yes. I just I can't get over the fear in your face when we all got together <laughs> for the like, chime. I yeah, I, I, I they didn't prep me for this. I don't do mantras. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump right into yeah. it here. Uh, Pat, you're up first. Brock Purdy passing yards. The over/under is at two forty-seven and a half. 
I'm just going to go full narrative-based. I, I think the Niners are going to start slow again. The Chiefs are going to start hot. The shanty tilt will set in. They're going to not quite to the extent the Ravens did abandon the run, but they're going to get off their game. They're going to pass a lot. Purdy's going to go over. All right, Jay, you're up, and we're sticking with the Niners' offense here. And Debo Samuel receiving yards over under 62 and a half. I'm going to go under on this. He's gone under in five of six. Now he did get injured in one of those games, but I think this is going to be a game where Kyle Shanahan emphasizes the run and Christian McCaffrey. So give me the under on Debo. Matthew, how about Christian McCaffrey rushing and receiving yards combined? The over under at a whopping 129.5. I so want to take the under here, but it's Christian McCaffrey. Yes. Um, he's averaging 130 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns in the playoffs. Um, because it's rushing and receiving yards, I agree with uh, Pat's analysis. I do think they have been in the run, but he's such a weapon in the passing game, and Legere Sneed is so good. I think he's going to shut down Ayuk, and so I think you'll see a lot of dump-offs, especially with the pressure. So give me the over on 129.5 rushing and receiving yards for Chris McCaffrey, who has had at least 130 scrimmage yards in six of the last eight. All right, another big piece of the Niners' offense here, Pat. George Kittle, his receiving yards over under is at 47.5. I think I'm going to take the way over. The Chiefs love to blitz. Brock Purdy is effective against the blitz, and Denny Carter informs me uh, that when they get blitzed, he loves to check down to George Kittle. His target share skyrockets, you know, the close to the line of scrimmage stuff, the middle of the field stuff, and it just feels like a Kittle game to me. Famous last words, anytime it feels like a Kittle game, like, oh, 11, 11 yards, but... I'm going to take the over for Kittle. Jay, a fun one here. Patrick Mahomes' most consecutive completions is that over under seven and a half. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Now, the reason why this is so high, I think, is that the Chiefs, they just throw a ton of screens and passes in the flat. The Niners, that's not a weakness of their defense, so I don't think he's going to get as many of those easy completions, so I'll take under seven and a half. Yeah, by the way, and if Marquez Valdez-Scantling is anywhere in <laughs> yeah, that eight run, true. like you're screwed, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you, will he throw eight passes in a row to Kelsey and Rasheed Rice? As that's I've what always said, asking. MVS, he's a January guy. Like, he rises in January. <laughs> We've now ticked over to February. He's in big trouble. <laughs> is. All right, Matthew. Isaiah Pacheco rushing yards over under 65 over. and a half. I didn't know what the line was. I didn't know what the line was. He's had at least six. 66 rushing yards in four straight games, including the postseason. At least 18 carries in four of the past six. Um, I, I don't know. I just I think that Jarek McKinnon either does not play or touches the ball once or twice. The way to beat San Francisco is running the ball. We saw what Jones and the Lions running backs did. Give me the over on literally whatever the number is for Isaiah Pacheco. But it's currently 65 and a half on DraftKings. All right, Pat. Speaking of MVS, his receiving yards over under is just 20 and a half. I mean, do you guys have a blindfold? That's how I feel when it comes to any MVS prop. And he referenced, you know, playoff MVS. And I tried to look into, like, playoff MVS, a real thing with the Chiefs. And even with the big games he's had in the postseason, he's been under 10 yards in three of six Chiefs postseason. Not that that's instructive going forward. Yeah, but just. I just like that Jay calls you. It's kind of like a snipe hunt. He just, like, he threw out some random stuff that he didn't mean at all. But you, like, actually legitimately looked into it, which I find hilarious. With any MVS, if you have to flip a coin, it's going to land on the under. I will take the under. All right, Jay, how about Kyle Juszczyk over under just half a catch? Does Juszczyk get a catch in this game? I think he does. He had three targets last week against the Lions. And, like, Kyle Juszczyk is Kyle Shanahan's favorite player on planet Earth. Favorite person. Yeah, in the Super Bowl, he's getting a catch. 
All right, Matthew, how about Patrick Mahomes passing yards over under 260 and a half? I'm taking the under here as well. So he's been under 260 in back-to-back games as well. Niners have allowed an opposing quarterback to go over 260 and a half passing yards in only four of 19 games so far this year. You just heard me take the over on Pacheco's rushing prop. I think they run the ball quite a bit. I think it's, and I think same for San Francisco. Like I, I kind of like the under in this game. It's two good defenses, two offenses that have been up and down so far this year. And so I just uh, I don't think it's a shootout type game. So I think they try. I think the Chiefs try to grind out a win here. And so yeah, give me the under on two sixty and a half for Mahomes passing. All right, Pat. Since we were cruel and gave you MBS, we'll bounce back and give you Rasheed Rice here. Longest reception over under twenty one and a half yards. You know, Rasheed Rice only had ten explosives all year. Catches over twenty yards, but. In the playoffs, this Chiefs target share has gotten so concentrated. I think he's going to get so many looks. The Niners are not an amazing tackling team. They're not a horrible tackling team, but they're not a great tackling team. He's going to get those yak opportunities. I think at some point one of them's going for over 21 and a half yards, and I'll take the over on 21 and a half for Rishi Rice. Jay, of course, we saved the true sicko stuff for you. Harrison Bucker <laughs> over under field goals, one and a half. Yes, I am a sicko, and I'm taking the over uh, on this one. Harrison Bucker, he's gone over this in four of the last five in a dome, no conditions. Chiefs also, they struggle in the red zone, uh, have done all this season, so I think they'll be kicking some field goals. All right, Matthew, how about Brock Purdy longest completion over under 37 and a half yards against a good secondary? Very good secondary as well, but they've given up at least a 50-yard completion in both their games in the playoffs against Miami and Baltimore. Purdy's thrown a 38 or longer yard completion in seven of the past eight games, including the postseason. We just talked about the check down. You know, Chris McCaffrey can get that on a two-yard pass and then run for 40 yards as well. Games indoors on the turf as well. Shanahan is so good at yards after the catch and creating space. Give me the over on 37.5 for Brock Purdy's longest completion. All right, Pat, you can tell we're getting way down the board here. How about Elijah Mitchell rushing attempts over under one and a half? I felt like this was the easiest one. I'm smashing the over. I felt like every time this postseason, they show CMC on the sideline. You know, they got the massage gun going on his quad. They've got a chiropractor, like, cracking his neck. And he's going to finish the game, I think, CMC, the biggest game of his life. But I think there's no way he's not going to need a few, like, breather series. Elijah Mitchell's going to come in. Uh, four carries for Elijah Mitchell, way over one and a half. Jay, I promise I didn't sneak this one in. It, you could blame Stephen, P. Adam, whoever you wanted, Damien. Dre Green lost solo tackles over under five and a half. Yeah, so just a reminder, if you're looking at this market, like there's a difference between total tackles and solo Big tackles, difference. and that is the key. <laughs> uh, I still think the Green Law will go over. I think the Chiefs, particularly using Kelsey over the middle of the field uh, and also just running the ball, I think there's going to be a lot of stuff in Dre Greenlaw's zone, so give me the over. And Matthew, we have to close this out with Travis Kelsey receiving yards over under 70 and a half. Yeah, I'm going to go over. I'm just not betting against Kelsey in a big game with his girlfriend in attendance. 71 uh, receiving yards in all three playoff games so far this season. He's had 71 receiving yards in 18, uh, I'm sorry, 16 of 21 career postseason games and at least 80 receiving yards in two of the three Super Bowls he's played. Give me the over on 70.5 of Travis Kelsey, who has seemingly saved his best for last. A huge thank you to Pat for joining us, but he's not the only big guest to stop by the happy hour set. Take a listen as Jay and Matthew got to uh, chat with Jacoby Myers and Aiden O'Connell from the Raiders. Starts the fourth, first and ten on the 33. Pump fakes to the left, takes a shot, deep down the left sideline. Open man, the five is Myers, catches, walks in, touchdown Raiders! The pump fake throws the defense, and Myers down the sideline, and the Raiders in full control here on the first play of the fourth quarter. Sure, 
Aiden O'Connell to Jacoby Myers right there from Westwood One. And that is something we saw a decent amount last year. And we are now luckily to be joined on the Fantasy Football Happy Hour desk with Aiden O'Connell and Jacoby Myers. Of course, Jake Croucher, Matthew Berry here. Uh, guys, congratulations on a great season. Last four games for Aiden O'Connell. Three and one record, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions. Jacoby Myers, by the way, 800 receiving yards, eight touchdowns, 71 receptions. Great year for you. Played all 16 games. More importantly, um, two for two and a touchdown pass against the Chargers with a 99 QBR, <laughs> by the way. I'm just saying, not for saying. Um, congratulations on a great season here. I'm curious, Aiden, because uh, you're a rookie, obviously. You're coming out of your rookie year. At what point during the season did you know, like, hey, I've got something here with Jacoby? Um, I think that was even before I was playing. We, we knew Copes was a special player. Um, Copes' story is awesome, you know, uh, undrafted guy to start his rookie year and then obviously to have some great years and um, just just played well all year for us, a reliable guy. I think if you saw him at practice, you wouldn't be surprised. Um, guy works his butt off at practice, and so he's, he's a great player. He, he makes me look good a lot of the time. Yeah, I appreciate you, bro. Yeah. Well, that's nice. Uh, you guys got really good chemistry. Uh, now, Matthew mentioned Jacoby about uh, the 99 QBR against the Chargers. Now, Aiden's quarterback, your wide receiver, you actually have the superior passer rating uh, for your career um, compared to Aiden. Is that something where you ever lobby to the coaches? Like, can we run more trick plays? I be whispering it here and there, you know what I mean? I ain't going to say it too loud, but I definitely try to get mine in when I can. But when you're watching somebody like Aiden, it really is easy, you know what I mean? You just kind of go out there, do what he do, and they fall into place. In his career, Jacoby Myers is 6 for 7 as a passer, three touchdowns. You have a perfect passer rating as a quarterback in the NFL. And I don't think people realize you were recruited as a quarterback out of high school. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. At, at what point did you think, like, uh, was it like, okay, hey, maybe I'm going to a different direction? Because obviously, you know, you're a fantastic wide receiver in the NFL as well. Mm. I'm not going to. In college, I probably did terrible quarterback. You know, I was, <laughs> I think, on, like, trick plays, I was, like, 0 for 6 maybe. You know what I mean? So I was like, all right, forget it. Let's just try getting the NFL, and it all been working out since then. Well, Super Bowl matchup obviously on Sunday. You guys had some success against the Chiefs this year, particularly when you went into Arrowhead and kind of mm. trucked them. You really outplayed them. How do you think the Niners will attack the Chiefs, um, potentially taking some lessons out of how you guys beat them? Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't think I completed the pass for like three quarters <laughs> that game, but we, we did a great job running the ball. Defense played awesome. I think it takes a it takes a full game, all three phases, to beat the Chiefs. Um, you know, I think the, the Niners have a great opportunity to do that. But, um, yeah, they're, the Chiefs are a great organization, obviously great play caller and a great defensive coordinator. So, um, yeah, that was a great win for us back in December. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the season. Obviously, a lot of changes, obviously. Antonio Pierce taking over as the head coach middle of the season. He's now going to be your full – he was the interim coach. He's now been named the head coach. Talk to me about your thoughts on Coach Pierce. How did the team change when Coach Pierce was named the interim head coach? Obviously, you guys had a lot of success down the stretch. Just talk to me about what it's like playing for him and your expectations heading into next year. Mm. I feel like he came in and really let us be like who we are as people, as men. You know what I mean? And then we had another big change. We had Aiden come into a messy situation. You know what I mean? He handled it, wiped it up like mm. bounty. You know what I mean? But it was just real cool to see how they both stepped into their role and really stayed reliable, man, and helped push us through. So we went as they went, and you've seen the results. Yep. How did your comfort level Aiden grow over the course of the season? Obviously, you know, you thrust into the starting role, and then by the end of the season, you, you know, Matthew read out the stats. It really seemed like he came into your own. 
Yeah, I think you know, there's really no replication for the game reps. They're priceless, and I think even more than that to string weeks of practice together where I get to get reps with Cobes or Tay or whoever it might be um, and get to feel the timing rather than just watching it I think was, was huge. And, you know, from even before I was playing, these guys, you know, instilled a lot of confidence in me and gave me a lot of support, the players and coaches alike. So, um, you know, I have really, really great teammates, really great coaches, both players but also, um, you know, just men. News happened recently this week where there was there was rumors that Cliff Kingsbury was going to be named the offense coordinator under Coach Pierce. Ended up that that not happening. He took a job in Washington as well. Have they talked to you at all about as Coach Pierce talked to you guys or any of the position coaches talked to you guys about in terms of what you expect this offense to maybe look like next year? What they're hoping to find in, a, in as Coach Pierce rounds out his staff? Um, I would say the one thing he did tell us a lot last year was just being okay, being uncomfortable. You know what I mean? So. We probably don't get to sit in those meetings. We probably don't know what the exact plan is going forward, but we do know whatever the situation is, we got to show up and ball. So that's the plan. Yep. Uh, wanted to ask you guys about the Chargers game at the end of the season, which was, I think, one of the most just bizarre viewing experiences as a fan. As you guys mm. just were absolutely destroyed um, the Chargers, and it was 63-21 in the end. Just what was the experience playing that game, and did you just get a feel that you know you guys could move the ball however you wanted in that game? Yeah, I think. That was a Thursday night game. It was coming yeah. off our Minnesota game where we scored zero points. And so it was, um, yeah, a tough couple of days to just turn around. But I think for me, being a rookie, that was really my first time being like the NFL is really wild. And it's it's any given day you got to bring um, the best you can to, to give yourself a chance to win. It was a, it was a perfect day all around for us. The defense scored a couple of touchdowns turn the ball over um, by the, the defense turn the ball over and you know we got some turnovers on special teams all, all stuff that you know we needed to make a special game coves was running it throwing it catching it doing all that stuff so um, we, we had a, a lot of good stuff going that day I mean that this is what's crazy right so Aiden you go 20 of 34 240 yards four touchdown passes have an unbelievable game and yet Jacoby two for two with a touchdown again has a higher QBR than you do in that game. Of course, also to your point, he, uh, he he catches a touchdown from you as as well in that game. I just want to ask you, like Jacoby, what's it like being in a game where you're just you're? It just feels like everything's working, and you know, like and you're, at what point do you realize, like, holy crap, like we're up by forty points in this thing? Yeah, nah, you. It's, it's a, a crazy like situation, like? man. That was that was a lot of fun. You feel me? And I think that's why we probably play like that because everybody was on the sidelines having a lot of fun. So, games where you get all the guys moving in the right direction, I think they normally turn out like that. I, it's fantastic. And I don't know if you remember this, but you and I met once before. Yep. I interviewed you yep. at the NFL rookie premiere, and you told me you were a good juggler. Wow. I asked you to juggle <laughs> something. I asked you to juggle uh, little mini helmets, yeah. which you ended up doing and which we used on Sunday Night Football. So I wanted to see. Let's see if we can do it. Can I, I was, back up a little bit? How are we doing? It's yeah, back good, up. Bro. Yeah, do whatever you got to do. Make a mess. We got bounty. Come on, oh, look at that! Very impressive. No, no messes at all. We don't yeah, need to okay, use the. Okay, we don't okay. need to use the bounty at all. But I know you guys are here because of bounty. Well yep. done as well. Talk to me, Aiden and Jacoby, about the partnership with Bounty and what you're trying to promote. Yeah, I think obviously Bounty is a great product. Um, you know, with the wings. Um, being attached to the Super Bowl, we can't, somebody told us, some billion number of wings are eaten during the Super Bowl. And so it's a great product. Um, doesn't fall apart when you're wiping your face or anything like that. Nah, exactly what Aiden said, man. You know, football need wings, and wings, you're going to need Bounty to clean up the mess. So 
it's a great partnership. There, there's no question about it. Listen, I, as somebody with young kids, I buy a lot of that as well. Listen, Jacoby Myers, Aiden O'Connell, congratulations on all the success last year. We're thrilled to watch you guys next year. Continued success to you guys. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks, Appreciate Thanks you. for having Thanks, us. Yeah. There he is. We're going to break. When we're back, another Raider great joins the show. Rich Gannon swings by the set. Coming up next. We'll be live every day this week from Radio Row, but if you miss a minute of it, don't sweat it. Every episode this week of Happy Hour will air during our Super Bowl Sunday Marathon on Peacock. Lock in on the NBC Sports virtual channel from noon to 5 p.m. Eastern to catch up with us before the big game. And we're excited because here on the Happy Hour, we are now joined by Raiders legend, former NFL MVP, Rich Gannon. Of course, you're killing it over there on Sirius XM on NFL Radio. Do a lot of stuff there. Listened to you and watched you for years. Uh, Had you on one of my very first fantasy football teams very much. Thank you very much, by the way. Put up a lot of good stats for for my guys as as, uh, as well as the Raiders. You told us just before we sat down, you were at media night last night while Connor and I were at dinner. Uh, you, you some of us little, are working. Doing the real yeah, some, work. yeah, exactly. Yes. I mean, listen, I did work. I just didn't, didn't do any productive work uh, last night. What was your biggest takeaways? Anything you gleaned from you know, uh, any of the players or coaches? Yeah, it's a great question. I really felt like both teams were pretty relaxed, pretty comfortable. Uh, I think both teams were really confident. Uh, I think both teams were prepared for the evening. There's a lot of questions that are thrown at you from a, a lot of different uh, media outlets and a lot of different agendas that people have. We spent some time with Travis Kelsey, talked a little bit about Taylor Swift, and he was he was really gracious to answer some questions. But uh, I just think the, the players are excited. I mean, you think about this journey to get here. We go through the OTAs and the, the mini camps and training camp and, you know, 17-game regular season. We have to get through the playoff games to finally get to this position. There's only two teams left standing. When you realize the significance the enormity of this game it can it can be overwhelming for certain players but I got the sense last night that both teams felt really comfortable with last week's preparation and and what lies ahead so Rich on the Mahomes side of things really all Kansas City obviously Andy Reid Chris Jones veterans that have been there the experience they've been here before they've won in this situation before you're a guy that had that competitive advantage you beat my New York Jets when I was a kid and had that experience going into multiple playoff games what is that like compared to a guy on the other end that isn't going to have that experience under center? I think experience, postseason experience is really important. I think particularly in a game like this, I think, you know, you look at Andy Reid's been, they've been for the last five Super Bowls. So, you know, they know what to do in these games. They know what the preparation looks like. On the other side of it, you know, Brock Purdy experiencing it for the first time. But, you know, when you watch Brock Purdy come in to a game uh, two years ago against Miami and, and play as well as he did in the following week up against Tom Brady and, and not flinch. My sense is this moment's not going to be too big for him. I think that he's got incredible poise. Uh, he's got a lot of the qualities and the intangibles you love at that position. I do think the overall team experience and, and experience at that position matters, but uh, I think it's going to be a close game. I really do. Can you relate to this at all? I mean, because you led the Raiders to uh, Super Bowl 37, where you, where you guys played the Buccaneers, and it's interesting. So you... Not that anyone's Brock Purdy because he's, he's Mr. Irrelevant and he's starting a Super Bowl, but you were a fourth-round pick. You weren't drafted to be a quarterback. I don't think people realize this. You were a punter in college. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when you were coming to the pros, the expectation wasn't that you were going to be a quarterback. And as a fourth-rounder, there wasn't the expectation that a first, you know, no, no, number one overall first-rounder. And then obviously you proved yourself and, you know, set many great records for the Raiders. But getting into that first Super Bowl, 
is there still that chip on your shoulder where you're like, I've still got to prove I've got to be oh, here yeah. where that maybe Purdy has something there that Mahomes doesn't? No question. I, you know, it, it took me a lot longer than it's taken Brock Purdy for one. But, yeah, I think you always, you know, there's always that that uh, intensity that, you know, what, what drives a player to be great. And I think, you know, you want to play in the big, biggest games and, and you want to win Super Bowls. And I think, you know, I think Brock Purdy looks across the field and sees Patrick Mahomes, you know, a guy that is arguably the best player in our game right now. And you look at the success that he's had, and I think you, you want that, right? I mean, competing against, you know, Peyton Manning and, and, and Tom Brady over the years, I mean, you know, you see the success, you, you crave it, right? Not necessarily the individual success, but the team success. And I think Brock's done a great job, I think, compartmentalizing it, I think, handling it, deflecting attention away from himself and back onto his yeah. teammates and the coaching staff. So, you know, I, I would expect he would go out and play play well. I would simply say this. He cannot play like he has the last two weeks and expect to win. You cannot be asleep in the first half against Green Bay and Detroit and, and come back and play a different game in the second half and win. He's going to have to put four really good quarters of football together. And I, and I would argue, honestly, he's going to face the toughest test. I would, I would argue the Chiefs' defense is much better than, all due respect, than the Lions or the Packers' no defense as well. One of the things I've said, I'm curious your thoughts on this, I think this is a legacy game for Brock Purdy. I don't think it matters what Patrick Mahomes does in this game. He's already cemented as one of the greatest to ever play the game. He could go 0 for 20 in this game and throw five picks, and he's still Patrick Mahomes in all capital letters, multiple Super Bowl winner. But I think if Brock Purdy you know, goes out and beats him, cements his legacy. And if he goes out and lays an egg, then I think there's going to be a lot more questions about him. Well, Is that fair? I, I, yeah, I would simply say this. You don't know when you're going to get a second opportunity, if you're right. ever going to get yeah. one. I mean, I, my first year in 1987, we went to the NFC Championship game. I was not the starting quarterback, but I was a member of the Minnesota Vikings. I thought, huh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Probably be back next year. Never <laughs> happened. Didn't get back to a championship game. That was 87. I didn't get back to a championship game until 2000. And that was against the Ravens. And I got separated shoulder and wasn't able to finish that game. And then didn't get to a Super Bowl until th- 2002. I was 37 years old. So... Right. You know, there are no guarantees that you're going to get back. When you get here, you have to maximize your opportunity and your chances of success, and uh, that's what makes this game so special. Rich, before the show, Matthew and I were having a conversation about the quarterbacks where it's gone so differently than Brock Purdy, right? The guys that were drafted with high expectations, and it hasn't worked out for them, whether it's for individual reasons, team reasons. A lot of goes wrong in the NFL. Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett, Bryce Young, which only one year but still in that bucket, Zach Wilson. Out of those former first-rounders, who do you think has the best chance to really turn their career around and get this right? Wow. Um, you know, I think all those situations are different. Uh, I think Bryce Young, there's not a lot of five foot ten quarterbacks in right. the NFL. I mean, that's Carolina knew that. Uh, it's a big man's game. Uh, I think Zach Wilson went through a lot. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think all the change around him, he played before he was ready to play. I think he lost confidence. The coaches lost confidence. The players lost confidence. The fans lost confidence. He, he, he's he got to be rehabilitated yeah, if that spiraled. makes any sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who else was on that list? Uh, Mac Jones and then uh, Kenny Pickett. So, uh, you know, I think Mac Jones, here's another dysfunctional situation. Three coordinators in three years. This will be his fourth different coordinator in four years. I call that the Alex Smith syndrome. Alex yeah, had right? five different coordinators his first five years. It's, it's not the way you develop a young quarterback. Kenny Pickett, he's had two different play callers this year. He'll have another one next year. I mean, you know, it's just, I, like, I would say of all of them, I like Kenny Pickett. Okay. I think, you know, I think Kenny has to smooth out some of the rough edges in his game. I think he has to learn to protect himself and stay on the field for all 17 games. Uh, and he can't have these, these up and down, you know, he can't have these lulls where he, he's, he's missing an action for a couple of weeks. But I think he has the most upside. 
So I want to go rapid fire with you. Obviously, when you watch quarterback play in the NFL, you watch it differently than Connor and I or anyone else that hasn't played the game at the highest levels that you have. So I'm curious. Is these are I want to give you rapid fire some guys that we think are sort of middle of the pack. And by that, I mean they have shown flashes of brilliance, right. but they've also there are questions around them for one way or the other. I was one of those guys. Right. So this is we thought this was perfect for you. Can one? Can any of these guys? And we'll go by one by one. And just can any of them become Rich Gannon, who became an NFL MVP and led their team to the Super Bowl? Can either do one of those two things? Okay. Jared Goff. Oh, for sure. I, you know, I think Jared Goff is misunderstood. I don't think he gets enough credit for being a tough guy physically and, and mentally. Uh, he plays every week. I think he went to a very bad situation and may, turned it into a good one. Uh, if you can protect Jared Goff, he can win a Super Bowl. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, tough, gritty. Uh, he's overcome a lot in his career. I think he's been humbled by the experience he went through in, in Cleveland and in Carolina. And having to go to Tampa and, and battle for the starting job, I think he's earned, earned the respect of, of the coaches and players there. I think you can win a Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield, although I'd, I'd, I'd rather have Jared Goff. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I like Trevor Lawrence a lot. I'm a little concerned. He took a step back uh, this year. Uh, Decision-making is an, an area where he has to get better. I think situational football, third down, uh, handling the pressure, um, not relying so much on his feet, but, but being better from the pocket. I think you can win a Super Bowl with him. I think he's, he's, he has the benefit of having Doug Peterson around him. He's a really good sure. football coach, and they've made significant changes on the defensive side of the ball. I do like Trevor Lawrence. Justin Fields, what should the Bears do? I think Justin Fields has some issues functioning as a pocket passer, and I think you know too often, and I was guilty of this, we rely on what we're most comfortable with, what we do best, and that's him using, utilizing his legs. This is the NFL. They're going to set the edge. They're going to force you to sit in there as a pocket passer at some point and make the difficult throws. He doesn't anticipate well. Uh, he doesn't uh, process very well at times. And to me, if that can't improve, then he's going to he's going to struggle. I would I would suggest the Bears draft a quarterback. Fair enough. Last one for me because I'm a so I'm a diehard Washington fan. I know you played for uh, what what the Commanders used to be called yes. uh, back in the day for a little bit. Um, so Sam Howell, and then also, should I have confidence in this new upcoming staff? So let me talk about Sam Howell. Anybody who's not sure whether Sam Howell can play or not, I would simply tell him to grab the tape of the two Eagle games, the one in Philadelphia and the one in Washington, if you don't think this kid can play in the NFL. I don't think Eric Bieniemy helped him this year. I think protection was awful. I think when I you look at that. the number yeah. of sacks that they had, the, 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 just a lot of issues from a from a schematic and, and from a structural standpoint. I think Sam Howell can play. I'm worried about when we continue to move pieces around with a young quarterback, when you have a new coordinator and new, new play callers come in. Uh, but I'm excited about Dan Quinn. I'm excited about the coaching staff they've put together there. I think they're starting from scratch. There's a lot of a lot a lot of rebuilding that that that's an organization that's really starting from from ground zero. <laughs> they, they've got a lot of ground to make up on the rest of the NFC East. My other point on Howell is he was constantly a negative game script. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. that defense was so brutally bad. Yep. Howell was always down, and so it was like yeah. every defense is like, I think we kick, know you're throwing, we've we got to just the tee off on you. I think the kid can play, and, and it's funny, I talked to another quarterback evaluator who I really, really respect, and that's a guy he really likes, Sam Howell. 
All right. We have a fun show planned tomorrow with plenty of guests swinging by our set to catch up. We start off big with Rams rookie sensation and peacocky winner Puka Nakua. We'll stick with the wide receivers as Kendrick Bourne and Jalen Hyatt will also be coming through. All that more tomorrow on Fantasy Football Happy Hour. A huge thank you to Rich Gannon for stopping by, talking we, quarterbacks, talking Super Bowl. Great yeah. conversation. We will check you out on uh, NFL Radio and Sirius XM. Rich, do you have a winner? Who's, who's winning on Sunday? You know what? I, I, I'm, we're here in Vegas. I'm not a gambler, but if I had my last $5, I would never bet against Patrick Mahomes. Right. I like the Chiefs. Thank we you said. very much. That's what Connor and I said. Yes. Jay Croucher's a moron. What can we tell you? We'll be back after this. A reminder on our live schedule all this week from Super Bowl 58. Stay locked in for PFT directly after us, followed by Brother from Another at 3 p.m. Eastern. We're back at it again tomorrow after Dan Patrick. Also a reminder, Bet the Edge, Roto World Football Show, and Chris Sims Unbutton will also be taping in Vegas all week long so be sure to check them out as well all right a lot going on here for super bowl week in las vegas let's take a look at the best of from opening night would be a ravenclaw mccaffrey like i feel like we have the character to all be in gryffindor but i don't want to say that because that's just boring um i put christian and slytherin because he just kind of got that like he knows a lot of people brock purdy Hufflepuff. We're starting off hot, and I love it. That is the question I've been wanting to... Ooh. So, you know what? I'm a huge Cody Rhodes fan. I like Roman Reigns. The Rock, hey, he coined the term the people's tight end, so I'm indebted to The Rock. Huge fan of him. Honestly, my dream would be like uh, kind of a setup. Roman shows up. I saw this online. Roman shows up, signs a contract. Cody's on the other side. The Rock referees. Wouldn't that be fun and special? My wrestler name? I don't know. Maybe uh, the Big Yeti? I don't know. The Big Yeti. You don't want to see the Yeti. I'm talking right now. That's it. No, yeah. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk, Kittle. Um, the list goes on. JJ, Juwan Jennings. Uh, we'd have our whole team on my fantasy team. Another quarterback in fantasy football. Statistically, this year, who is who's up there? I, I don't really know. Was Mahomes? Mahomes had to have been. What's that? Josh Allen, baller. Yeah, there you go, Josh Allen. She's uh, she's unbelievable. She's uh, she's rewriting the history books herself. Uh, I told her I'll have to hold up my end of the bargain and come home with some hardware too. Uh, another Super Bowl for sure. I, I have a six pack. It's just under the dad bod, so it's just if, if, if you feel. I mean, there might be some skin there, but then underneath that, the six pack's there. You just got to get real close, and you got to squint a little bit, and I think you'll see it. I like Patrick Mahomes' strategy. There's a six-pack. It's there. Uh, same. Th- I mean, Mahomes. Got finally find something we've got in common, yes. Patrick and I. We yeah. both have a hidden six-pack. It's a magnificent voice, Patrick Mahomes' voice. It really is. And he's I leaned into it. it. Yeah. By the way, and I have to tell you, you know, the, I'm thrilled for the Niners, of course, but we had George. The one bad thing about the Niners being in the Super Bowl is that we don't get George Kittle back on this. He Man. did our show last year from Radio Row. He's awesome. Like, yeah. again, the, like great clips from all those guys, but – Kittle's just amazing, and he's probably Maniac. going straight to the WWE he when he, <laughs> right. like, retires, but he should be a broadcaster. He's a genuine maniac. It's unbelievable. He's awesome. Yeah. Uh, he's so much fun. I remember <laughs> like, he stormed onto our set. Everyone else, like, patiently waits for the side, and he gets ushered on, and Kittle's like, no, I'm going on. What are they talking? Right. No, I'm in. Uh, it was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. It was fantastic. And I like, I, I like that he, he took a moment to seriously consider what – 
Harry Potter houses his teammates would be. <laughs> yeah. And then he put McCaffrey in Slytherin. Which right. Was, <laughs> and interesting. Per, Purdy and Hufflepuff is amazing, <laughs> yeah. by the way. Betty is a little Hufflepuffy. Yeah, he is a little Hufflepuffy. Is there a question you can't ask George Kittle and you won't get like a real well thought out response? He's been, no, he's phenomenal. Fantastic. Yeah, phenomenal. A lot of good stuff in media. There's a lot of who compares to Kittle, just his like, media presence. It's hard to think of someone that with that kind of like, uh, charisma. He, yeah, I mean, like, the first name that came to mind, and it's not, but, like, Barkley, just in the sense that yeah. what Kittle is, is what the brilliance of Barkley is that that's Barkley. Like, there's no, right. like, Act. I try to be myself, but there it, there's a TV version of Matthew that's slightly different than real-life Matthew. You know what I mean? And, like, I think most people on camera have a slight version of themselves, and I think Kittle is just, that's him, and Barkley, like, that's him. Excited to learn about all the versions of Matthew Berry. TV Matthew, real life Matthew, Omnia Matthew. Yeah, yeah. Vegas Matthew. Yeah, Vegas Matthew. Well, we know, we know a thing no, or two about that. There's no such thing as Hufflepuff <laughs> Matthew. Uh, that is, uh, that is for, certainly uh, for sure. I think tomorrow when we have Puka Nakua on, it'll be the first time we ever have a peacocky winner. Mm. I wonder if we'll Did actually we have, have a peacocky. We, I, I might have to make da- Damien go out and build it between now and tomorrow. We need to present, <laughs> present the, him the actual peacocky. Anyway, That's it for us. closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> for, for Jay, Connor, and Roto Pat, I'm Matthew Berry. We are back live tomorrow from Las Vegas. Thank you, Rich Gannon.